tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Lake Wales Haunting, Bomb Shelter Friends, Murder in Agawam, and Down to the Wire. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And this is reenacted and unsolved mysteries podcast um crystal even though i just came back yeah. from traveling across half a continent uh, apparently you've got uh-huh. news so yeah i i have and i guarantee that this is the kind of riveting content that people uh complain about and people tune in <laughs> complain about or tune in for not sure which yeah Listen, Robbie, after many years of of not partaking, um I recently went to Carl's Jr. Again. Oh, interesting. Okay. And times have changed. So, uh for those of you who don't live to the west of the Rocky Mountains in the United States, this is going to be called Hardee's. Mhm. If you're in the United States, I don't know that it exists internationally. Sorry, Canadians and uh, Australians out there. I don't know if Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's has made it uh, across the pond. The ponds, plural, <laughs> but uh, or even into Canada. But let's see. Uh, it's I would say it's probably a higher end version of Wendy's, maybe menu wise. I guess I would compare it to wendy's yeah because you're you are paying you're gonna you're gonna pay a little bit more when you go to a carl's jr but you're gonna pay a lot more uh, when you go to a carl's jr pay, and this yeah this is uh this is my beef uh pun intended i hadn't been to carl's jr in such a long time and a couple of weeks ago i went and uh, I went specifically for the Santa Fe chicken sandwich. Now, let me tell the listeners what the Santa Fe chicken sandwich is comprised of. Because it's I think it's a more obscure menu item. And in fact, I haven't seen anything quite like it on any other fast food menu. Okay. So this is what it is. It's a generous uh, size bun. There's no sesame seeds or anything on it. It is a sliced grilled Ortega chili. That's not a hot chili. It's more of a mild chili. Mm-hmm. You got your grilled uh, chicken breast. It's grilled. It's not fried. Okay. Very important here. Yeah. Um, you got a slice of... Uh, th- there's a bit more between the chili and the chicken is a nice crisp piece of lettuce. Like real lettuce, not shredded lettuce. A big leaf of lettuce. Mm-hmm. got your grilled chicken you got some melted american cheese and then you got a chipotle mayo situation and then it's bun again and uh i you know it's that chili and the chipotle mayo that really make it stand out from any other sort of menu item i've seen and so i went there a couple weeks ago specifically for that and I don't do a lot of drive-through. Recently, I've gone gotten in on a uh, Del Taco, which is a, it's. I know you have Del Taco where you live, but it's a very Western United States. I think it might just be California, Nevada, maybe Arizona that have Del Taco. I love very local. Uh, yes, are you gonna sing the praises of Del Taco? <sighs> love Del Taco. Uh, if I I fucking love Del Taco so much. If I'm passing. I love it. If I'm passing through a town. Uh, yeah. on like a car trip with people and we're passing through a town that has both a del taco and a taco bell 
Yeah. I know we, we, I mean, I've, I enjoy Taco Bell, but. Yeah, who doesn't? I'm going to, I'm going to prefer eating at Del Taco. Yeah, Del Taco's superior in every way. Yeah. It's just no question. Plus you can get good fries there. Plus you can get a pretty decent cheeseburger at Del Taco. So let's say you're going with your friends. You know, some of you want some tacos. Some of you want a burger. You can't decide, go to Del Taco. And every single time I've had Del Taco, although I'm intending to continue to talk about Carl's Jr. But every single time I've had Del Taco, it has been fresh and hot. Mm -hmm. You can get a combo meal that'll be filling nice filling combo meal for your lunch for under $8 mm -hmm. still love to see it. Del Taco. Okay. But I went to Carl's a couple of weeks ago. I went to Carl's again tonight having not learned my lesson the first time. <laughs> so I got this chicken sandwich, small fry, small drink. And when I say small drink, it is when you think in your mind of a small drink, mm -hmm. not a Wendy's small. <laughs> no, it was real small drink. That's what it is. Guess how much this combo cost me. Okay, uh, so wait, uh, you had the a small drink, you had the, mm -hmm. the 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 Santa Fe, was it called the Santa Fe sandwich? Santa Fe chicken. Santa Fe chicken. Yeah. What, what, else was, yeah. what else was involved with this meal again? Just just the small fries, small french fries. Well, Carl's Jr., I feel mm -hmm. like I would be safe in hazarding the guess that it's going to be in the $20 range. Oh, well, it wasn't that much. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't that much, but it was it was just shy of $14. And yeah. uh, me being an avid Del Taco fan, you know, I'm, I'm spending $8 versus $14. It, uh, yeah. I mean, you... I mean, I do feel like I do feel like Carl's is putting out a pretty quality product. But also, I noticed when I was at the drive-thru today... There's no value menu at all. Right. I mean, as, as Carl's Jr. When did that go away? As Carl's Jr.'s uh, had a value menu in the past, I, I don't freak. Oh, yeah, I feel like you could get like a famous star or their star nuggets. And that was like, mm. you know, on, on the value menu, whatever they were defining that as. So it's just completely gone now. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. I kind of feel like Carl's Jr. The idea of going there to get a and getting a value menu item seems to me, it seems antithetical to the point of going to Carl's jr, which is like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to mm -hmm. spend more money than I spend at just about any other fast food restaurant. But in exchange, I'm going to get yeah. like this huge sandwich that has stuff in it. Like, I mean, if, if I want to, yeah. if I want a value thing, I'll just, I'll just swing through the, if I'm in Dayton, well, Dayton actually, we got our mm. uh, we got a McDonald's now. Well, first of all, congrats! Yeah, I can't wait for you to enjoy and then have it immediately break the uh, ice cream machine <laughs> at that McDonald's. I think because <laughs> um, they had their like grand opening, you know, right? Uh huh. I, was it already broken? Well, when you got there, well, like for two weeks before the grand opening, they were you know basically open mm -hmm. for business, and I, right. I mean, I was getting a lot of amusement out of following the local uh, Dayton Facebook groups because mm -hmm. there was lots of people complaining like they're all out of French fries, they're all out of blah blah blah. Why, why would I go? There? It's like, <laughs> you know, 
I've I've driven by this this thing as all you yahoos are like lined up all the way into the grocery outlet, um, uh-huh. the parking lot. Uh, it's like uh-huh. it's their it's they've just opened. Everyone else is trying to eat there. If you right. if you want to be assured that you know you're gonna go into a drive-through and you know have the uh-huh. food, why don't you go to the now. Uh, derelict uh, drive-through of the of the uh, Jack in the Box in the Smiths parking lot. There's no one there now. Oh. Uh, um, but hmm. but uh, but I believe one of the complaints was at some point. <laughs> at some point, yeah, there was someone complaining about like, oh, no ice cream. Da da da. Is like, and this was before yeah. the grand opening. <laughs> so very, yeah. very in keeping with McDonald's tradition. <laughs> yeah, the well, w- if you manage to get one of those McDonald's hot fudge sundays, it's fantastic. Mm. If you manage to get one, but you know what? <sighs> I mean, they've perfectly engineered a dessert there my opinion and and i'm not a big mcdonald's fan but that's pretty good um but robbie you did drive across country and you stopped at culver's in arizona correct was that i did do you want to give us a brief review of culver's i know this isn't a food podcast but it is a food podcast (laughs) we i mean anyone we wish it was a food podcast (laughs) basically anyone who's listened to to us by by episode 100 knows that yeah. you and I are just inveterate fast food fiends who yeah. regularly ruin our health by visiting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't say I'm a fiend. I'm I would say I'm more of a connoisseur. Oh, uh, okay. There's there's some there's some chains I don't get down with and they know who they are. And I mean Taco Bell frankly is one of them at this point because they took all my favorite menu items off the menu. I don't have any business there anymore. And Del Taco exists. And Del Taco so. exists. So yeah, why? Yeah. Uh yeah. well Yes, I based off the um the urging of a now former coworker mm-hmm. uh who like when he found out I was traveling to the Midwest, he gave me a list of things. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Well, you got to go to mm-hmm. you have to stop at a waffle house and you have to stop at mm-hmm. a um a White Castle and you have to mm-hmm. try Blake's Burgers if you're pat are are in fact plat- passing through Albuquerque. Whoa, big big name drop there. Yes, Blake's Burgers in Albuquerque. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah. Right. I. I uh huh. I th- that experience that was a po- that was a positive experience too. But I think it was kind of because I was eating the ham the burger in conjunction with. Um, driving by the Breaking Bad house. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, that apparently that poor woman who lives in that house, like the, the people people who live there, have been so harassed by the intense fan base of Breaking Bad that hmm. that that house is now a fortress. There's like yeah. they've installed heavy duty fencing around the perimeter. Wow. There's fencing. Yeah. There's fencing in front of the of the doorway, which I guess makes mm-hmm. it more like a, a gate. Uh, you know, there's a big sign about trespassing, and there's there's mm-hmm. orange cones <laughs> in front of the uh, on the street yeah. in front of wow. the curb to prevent people from parking there. 
And I guess also from what I've read, the woman nowadays, like her mind has been so horribly snapped from like people throwing pizzas on mm-hmm. her garage and and stuff that mm-hmm. she just leaves the garage door open all day. I guess maybe partly mm-hmm. to make it a less appealing object for um, for, for photography, but she also sits in the garage mm-hmm. all day and, uh-huh. and, and, and yells at the people who come by to take pictures um i so Hmm. when i was driving by i noticed like as i was approaching the house i was like oh the garage door is open and i was i was too nervous to like i was too scared to look Hmm. into the garage so i sort of like tried to act like i was just oh i'm just driving through the neighborhood i you know i just just visited Hmm. a friend and you know now i'm on my way you know eating my yeah you know um but yeah, and then the the I think I'm prepared to say the highlight of the experience was the Culvers. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And it was kind of it was kind of an anon- an anomaly and not anonymous. It was kind of a anemone. Yes. Manomena. <laughs> yes. Uh, that I had it in Arizona. Because my coworker uh-huh. was expecting me to come across them in mi- the Midwest, because it's a Midwest sort of originated thing, right. and Wisconsin yeah. sort of and radiates out from there. But they they've apparently they've reached out like they're in Arizona, and even I think there's a few in Vegas now. Um, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Vegas is like a test market for all of these chains. Yes, you know. Yes. So I went in there and I I, I have to say, I, I, re- I really enjoyed eating there. It was a little, I think, I think the, the, you know, the, the people in charge, they have that Midwestern mentality and they've actually apparently have instilled that into the company's ethos. Cause when I went in there, anytime an employee happened to see me, they greeted me very warmly and asked me how, how my day was and how I was doing. And I was immediately mm. suspicious as to what was going on. Cause I, mm. so, you know, I, I, I coming from the bad, I have a, you know, leave me alone. Why are you talking to me? Attitude. Right. Uh, yeah. Yes. And so, uh, uh, it, but you know, that's not, that's neither a complaint or, uh, anything, uh, the food itself, uh, the hamburger, uh, I definitely enjoyed. I would say that, um, in the same way that like, I mean, if you go to In-N-Out, the hamburger at In-N-Out is a step above, you know, a typical fast food hamburger, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The the hamburger at Culver's, I would say that's a similar sort of thing. They they are a step above mm-hmm. uh, a typical fat a national fast food chain. Nice. Yeah. Um the coworker, my co- former coworker also suggest- suggested like to try the cheese curds. Uh-huh. That that w- that was probably the part of Culver's that I felt was not quite up there. I I, I think I've had mm-hmm. more impressive cheese curds at other uh, establishments. So I mean, it wasn't bad, mm. but it was just sort of like this is what I'd yeah. expect cheese curds at any fast food restaurant to sort of be like. But man, where they really hit it out of the park 
was yeah. was that custard. Um, wow. When they brought it out, at first I was, it seemed like a really small amount. It came comes out in this little plastic mm-hmm. cup, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I paid that much for this much? Because, you know, yeah. the, the, same, the same amount will get you with, uh, you know, a very large amount of the quote-unquote ice cream from other fast food places. But... Mm-hmm. The quality, like after when I took the first spoonful bite, yeah, I I was like, okay, yeah, this is, uh, I I understood. Yeah, wow, I've never had Culver's. I you know if I'm out Arizona way, I wanna wanna try it out. I've heard a lot of good things. Yes, yes. About it. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, raised on Dairy Queen myself. That's sort of my standard for fast food ice cream. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, you know, Robbie, we have been uh, talking about fast food for about, yeah, a little while now. This has been a nice long open. I don't know, Connor, if you want to whittle <laughs> this down a bit uh, <laughs> for the sake of time and everybody who has probably lost interest. <laughs> no, no, leave it in. Uh, but we are here to talk about uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Season six, episode six. It's a Halloween episode. Though I feel like it was a little. Well, it wasn't really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Was it really a Halloween episode? It was a bit of a letdown because I, in the past, sometimes though, not always, they've done some Halloween episodes that were, Mm -hmm. that were, you know, uh, like this is an episode that is Halloween themed. That all the segments mm-hmm. are either supernatural or kind of just maybe scary. Uh, because yeah, this just was just a regular episode. It's just you know the unexplained segment was a ghost themed, uh, and they yeah. yeah. It, though it does ex- well, it's gone. <laughs> 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 yeah, obviously you're gonna. Uh, may may have some uh, thoughts on the the veracity of the yeah. the what <laughs> me no having opinions. <laughs> um, that's not me. Yeah the the opening to the segment, I like this actually explains something because I've seen this segment numerous times because I had the um, mm-hmm. the unsolved mysteries ghost DVDs I, that we watched together, which spawned this very podcast years ago yes 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 um so and you know that was that was on a, a weekend that involved visiting places in dayton including the pizza yeah. factory so so all all yeah, the pizza factory was more haunted than this house but whatever yeah please continue <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so all of our all of our off-topic stuff is actually it truly at the heart of the, the this program, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, this ants kind of. I do remember when I'd watched this segment on the the DVD, because they're like, you know, the you know, here, it's a house that stacks has something like, you know, it's a house that you probably want wouldn't want to go into on Halloween or any other day or or something to that effect, and uh, like watching it now, it's like, oh. They they had that narration was directly related to this being the alleged Halloween episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so this uh, this house is um, 
the Mann family lives here, including Alan Mann, the uh, the son. Uh, he <laughs> they they start the segment off pretty quickly, where uh, they depict him coming home and then just sort of sleeping on his bed, uh, still wearing his jeans. Um, How did that make you feel? I don't I don't like to wear. I, typically, I don't like to wear pants when I when I go to bed. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I I do I wear pants, but what I do is I I typically I switch out of jeans or slacks and put on either you know sweatpants or shorts depending on the season. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I guess I can kind of forgive it that like he's not at least he's not under the covers with it. He just sort of is laying on top of the the bed, but we get a nice little POV view of the of a ghost um, appearing in this doorway of a not unattractive uh, yeah <laughs> woman who's who's this ghost is uh, she's telling him to wake up, Alan, get up, get up, Alan, and we're greeted with the guy playing Alan in the reenactment. I don't know about you, but to to mm-hmm. me, he lo- he kind of has a re- resemblance to. Um, did you ever watch Malcolm in the Middle? Mm-hmm. You know the guy who was Lois's coworker at the grocery store. You know, yes. yeah, with glasses I know and that yeah, actor. it, it kind of reminds me a bit of him. Uh, but I I went on that actor's IMDb page. Uh, just in case, just to make sure that this this wasn't a... Just in case it was a Daniel Day Kim situation? It actually wasn't. Just, in, just to make sure that it wasn't a Daniel Day Kim situation, where I spend the whole segment thinking that, like, oh, that's not... That's, you know, that's a guy who looks... You spend the whole segment thinking you might be racist, only for it to be Daniel Day Kim at the end, actually. Precisely. Yeah, but uh, I don't. I didn't see any reference to unsolved mysteries on the, mm-hmm. the guy. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was that guy, but I do. I do see the resemblance. Yeah, it's a very strong resemblance. I do. I do know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So of course, like a true jerk, this uh, ghost after waking him up, then turns around, walks away, and you know disappears out of sight. Um. You know, it's. Uh, I got. Yeah, that was rude. Yeah. Yeah. I like. What did she want? Like, why did she wake him up? I mean, I don't want to speak for all guys here, but I will say that, I mean, ghosts are typically a scary proposition, but Uh an attractive female ghost is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, that's that's, uh, less scary in a way. Yeah. Do you think think that uh, Mr. Man... I've already immediately forgotten his first name. Alan. Alan Mann. Yeah. Alan Mann. Do you think he had a Dan Aykroyd Ghostbusters <laughs> visitation type situation? Um, and he just didn't mention that part because he was married and that was <laughs> didn't want that on television. You're not sleeping with it, are you, right? Oh, you. It's always a quiet one. That's actually a fairly reasonable reasonable thing to to think might happen Mm -hmm. as we we will observe later in this segment 
one could presume there may actually be some jealousy situation going on <laughs> between the wife and the ghost. So, yeah. yeah, you know, I think there's a lot going on here and none of it has to do with a ghost. Uh, yeah, there's actually some things I was going to uh, to mention uh, because very quickly they they uh-huh. they go into that marriage, his marriage to someone named Blinda. And what uh-huh. what caught my attention in the way that maybe it ha- wouldn't have in years in the past is they mentioned that Linda is 16 years old. Uh, what? I did not catch that. What? Yes. <laughs> she. Oh, grody. And the only... Um, I was... Uh, that raised my alert senses. Uh-huh. Um, now... Yeah, as it should. Yeah. Now, I'm trying to... You know, I, I so I spent much of the segment trying to observe the real life Alan and Linda and trying to discern uh-huh. what their relative ages were to each other. And I, it's uh-huh. difficult. I'm not very. The thing is, is I'm not very good at discerning people's ages. Um, uh-huh. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I could kind of like maybe guess. I mean, they, they should 16 year olds should not be getting married at all, but. I mean, yeah. if Alan was like eighteen at the time and they knew each other in high school or something, yeah, that's one thing. But if Alan, I mean, if Alan's like in his tw- late twenties or something, that's yeah, uh, entirely different thing. Okay, well, this is a whole nother layer that I didn't even because <laughs> I was like, why are Alan and his wife still living at home <laughs> with his parents? Because there, so there is a scene with the mom is watching TV with the wife mm-hmm. slash her new adopted foster daughter, I guess. <laughs> and uh, this is very weird, but it's Florida, so I don't know. Yeah. Um. It, so they're watching TV, and then the mom sees like a sort of the dog starts barking. Mm-hmm. I remember that the dog's name was Prince. I do remember that part, but uh, the dog starts barking and then the mom sees like some kind of mist, misty figure appear next to her on the couch. Yeah. And this is after Alan had gotten sucked by the ghost or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, well, now I'm starting to believe in something. And then the wife didn't see it at this point. And then um, and then things get weirder and hornier. (laughs) Yeah, because. I think the the next thing in the chain, um, well, I mean, they have a you know they do a little Ouija board action, and they find out the, the yeah. woman's last name is Kramer. Uh, sure. And then, um, then we get the the a reenactment that has stuck out to me for quite some time. Um, Mm-hmm. It's the uh you know Alan and Linda they're they're in bed um they're eating popcorn and I guess watching TV and mm-hmm. it's just one of the strangest little like things unsolved mysteries has ever done I guess they're they're suggesting that Linda's uh possessed right so yeah. the re playing Linda she starts she starts breathing heavy and then laughing you know, just mm. laughing, laughing, and he, Alan's like, well, what? "What? What? What's going on?" And then she takes off his glasses, pulls away the bowl of popcorn, 
turns out the light yeah. and turns around and you know the light the 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 you know the remaining light is focused on her face and i guess it's supposed to be that she's possessed or whatever and she jumps on yeah. him and he's like whoa whoa what's what's happening here and uh, yeah. and i i don't know about you but watching that, this reenactment i felt myself like wondering had Alan just never had any sort of intimate experience and he was just confused by what was going I, on? I don't know. <laughs> I think because they were married and I, th- I think they were probably having some intimate experiences. Um, <laughs> the conclusion that my husband, David and I came to while watching the segment together is that, uh, this this whole ghost thing is just backpedaling on them not wanting to admit their kinks to each other. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, do And so like she she got a little rough and Alan was like, "No, stop it." But also the parents were like overhearing because the bedroom was off of the living room where the parents were watching TV. Okay. So instead of the parents doing a normal thing, which would be turning the TV up louder or going to a different room, Mm -hmm. they decide to eavesdrop at the door (laughs) to whatever is happening with the idea that he sounded like he was in trouble. Like, oh, was he in trouble? Really? The other thing we need to mention here is his 16-year-old wife weighs about 90 pounds, and I'm pretty sure if Alan really wanted to get her off or away from him he could have and he eventually does right he admits to slamming his wife against the wall three times yeah like dog y'all y'all are admitting the wrong things on television right now yeah that... what is wrong with you guys this is not and the only person who's sane in the situation is the dad right he's like... just like i thought i was living with a bunch of flakes well, i think i think you are sir. you you are a very perceptive individual sir uh yeah, you're li- you're living with some repressed people who have to like make up the story about this ghost <laughs> because they don't want to admit their uh, kinks to each Shit. other. Like, what is going on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so naturally, sorry, did I spoil the ending? No, no, no. <laughs> we get the update where they're like, they moved out of the house, and Alan and his wife joined a BDSM club or something. Well, I don't remember. What was the update with this? Uh, I think that's just that. Well, first, uh, Alan and his wife uh, moved out of the house. And then the yeah, they moved out. then the parents moved out of the house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So problem solved. Sorry, you were you. Were, this was supposed to be your segment. I've to- totally like c- taken reins of the narrative of what I think happened. Well, here. yeah, no, that's that's fine because uh the important the, the important thing is i would not have even come to that conclusion and i think it's 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 important mm-hmm. to co- examine examine all possibilities uh here yeah uh whether it's well and then they start dragging paranormal investigators into their kinks <laughs> Un- non not unconsenting paranormal investigators get caught up in this tangled web of repressed sexuality and masochism that's going on in this lake wells florida home i like to be watched <laughs> and recorded yeah and and to have yeah. the e- ekg readings <laughs> coming out on this in a steady stream yeah. i've got 1118 on the pke 2.5 gevs on the gigameter i think there's a lot of layers uh, to this not only mm-hmm. i mean 
let, let's run with the that there's there's a kink situation that you know that's just not being properly discussed. You know, because you got like a couple of kids. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess the fact well, a kid and, and probably an adult. Oh, yeah, probably an adult. Um, uh, who you know, you know, they're they're not communicating with each other like, like adults, so they're they're not discussing their kinks. And then at the same time, Unsolved Mysteries mentions the stuff about how everyone in the house house kept smelling like this weird smell and you know kind of like we're feeling <laughs> the smell the smell that i would refer to as baducy but whatever <laughs> yeah like cuz they're describing stuff like you know feeling uh feeling not well or whatnot and and so forth and i, I just I was just like, is this a natural gas leak in your house? <laughs> yeah. Well, my my ser- my serious theory, not my podcast theory, but my serious theory was that there was a carbon monoxide leak in the house. Right. Right. And yeah. this family's just been becomes or not a leak, poisoning. Poisoning, yeah. Not a leak. Just they didn't have good ventilation, so they were getting carbon monoxide poison. And this and that would explain the headaches and stuff. Yeah. Too. And this and this family is just so uh, by this point so accustomed to just attributing everything <laughs> to this ghost. Um, anyway, yeah, they bring in paranormal investigators of one sort of an- another. I think they even have like an interview with one investigator about being impressed by the other investigator. <laughs> it's like okay. <laughs> Yeah, he's like I've I've dealt with dozens of psychics. This... Okay, sir, and who are you? Also, a really weird distinction was made between paranormal researcher and uh parent par- what was it? It was like there was a one of them was a paranormal researcher and then another one was like a paranormal scientist and the only one of those is a real thing. Yeah, and one was listed as a hypnotist. So yeah. yeah, yeah. So they really, they really threw 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 it all at the wall here, right? To see if anything stuck with trying to find out if their ho- house was on it. Yeah. So you know, we get the usual jazz of like, I sense that there's a woman named Isabella here. It's like, mm-hmm. how did he know that? My only my husband and right. I had had mentioned, you know, thinking that the girl, the ghost's name was Isabella or something, and. We get a little reenactment with some fun pyrotechnics where, because Alan and Linda are moving out of the house. Um, yeah. Uh, because of the ghosts, not because <laughs> they should. They're married. Married. And their parents are listening to them have sex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, you know, they're moving out. And Linda apparently has decided that she's going to just use this opportunity now that they're leaving to just lay into this ghost and tell her what she really thinks of her. And this causes a lamp to have a little flame go, go up, uh, mm-hmm. for, from where the light would be, uh, uh-huh. neat little effect. Uh, I'm not sure if it yeah. really happened or, or, the, or this, uh, there, yeah. there was some lamp accident that they then attributed to the ghost. Um, yeah, so you know they they bring in bring in all sorts of paranormal people with stuff. They're you know they they go through doing their parapsychologist thing. One of them's shooting pictures with a Polaroid. That's fun. That's actually something mm-hmm. I kind of miss. Um, oh, Robbie, you know what? I was at a concert 
weekend before last and there were there was a a group of folks our age that had brought a polaroid camera a newer style but they still make them oh okay to the concert and they were taking polaroids of each other and i just thought that was cool oh that's i liked uh, isn't that nice yeah i like to hear that that's you, yeah. you see like when you're in a healthy relationship involving two adults and you communicate with uh-huh. each other and, uh-huh. and you know you're you feel at ease enough with each other where not only are you sharing what your kinks are but you're also like hey i i would like us to get one of those polaroid type cameras when we take to the concert so we can just take some pictures yeah. of ourselves so yeah you just turn to your spouse and you say honey i you know i've i've thought about this and i think it's time to bring film into our relationship foam like film film like what you put in the camera <laughs> oh i see yes 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 exactly jesus christ <laughs> now okay in fairness to me i thought you meant like a foam mattress uh <laughs> I, I don't... Will, there, will there ever be a time where we yes and each other will it will it ever happen we're 107 is this our 107th episode <laughs> <laughs> I think a hundred and seven times you've just I've done it to you too plenty but yeah a hundred and seven times I you've just let me I've tried to do a thing you just let me <laughs> blow in the wind man I I think that's what our audience truly listens to they just want to hear a just a joke fall so flat oftentimes like hey, you know and, and it's a shame they can't see me. Like, I feel like if there was a visual layer onto this, like if they could just sort of see me staring off in, in the distance as you're talking, like with a blank expression on my face. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, hmm, foam, yeah. 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 Yeah, we were just talking about cameras, but now she's talking about foam for some reason. I feel like I feel like yeah, I feel like and and I feel like ninety five percent of the time when I've horribly let you down in these situations, it's because I'm I'm mis mishearing and or making misconcluding something that any normal human being who's just like, you know, who can hear. And, uh-huh. and and you know understands the meaning of words. <laughs> uh-huh. Would would well, well? Why would I want to do a podcast with a normal human being? Boring. <laughs> That's true. Uh, speaking of normal human beings, uh, the parapsychologists. <laughs> <laughs> You know, they took some pictures of the Polaroid and they took a picture uh-huh. and it had like this sort of energy looking like figure, humanoid figure on it. Yeah. Um. So and apparently they showed it to someone who was like, yeah, you know, that's not. Yeah, that's not like. Well, a, I mean, at the at the part of the, this part of the segment, Stack actually like pulls out of his trench coat. He has the Polaroid. Right. He has it. They actually. Amazing. I, 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 there's very few circumstances where I recall his, his parts, his little intro parts never to, to actually mm-hmm. have an actual item from the, from the, not just the reenactment, yeah. but from the case itself. 
Yeah, I think there was like one other time where he had a letter and another time when he had like a journal and that's it. Yeah. But sometimes they give him the thing. Mm hmm. So he had the Polaroid in this case. But also it's worth mentioning that like earlier in the segment when he's introducing the man family and talking about them, he yeah. talks about the dad poo-pooing <laughs> I heard all of these occurrences and that and and it's just i don't know how many takes they had to do or maybe they just did the one when alan man of lake wales florida began claiming that he had a ghost in his bedroom his parents poo-pooed the idea that their house was haunted his parents poo-pooed the ideas Pears poo-pooed the idea. All of the cutaways to stack in this entire segment kind of seem like he's trying very hard not to laugh. <laughs> but especially when he says poo-pooing. <laughs> right. Because uh, not only is he having to restrain himself from the ridiculousness of the situation he's describing, but for some <laughs> reason the writers have chosen to give him... Yeah. <laughs> I bet one. I bet the writers' room was like, "I bet I can get stacked to say poo poo," and they were like, "No, nah, you can't, man." And then they slipped it in there, and then someone owed someone else a, a coke. You know, it 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 sounds like uh, it sounds like the writers are very similar in their maturity level to you and me. Yeah. No, I mean, I I would try to get Robert stacked to say all kinds of silly stuff. Right. For up to me. <laughs> Like Medjugorje, Medjugorje, seven times in a row. <laughs> Let's see how how many times we can work. You know, make him say it. <laughs> well, you know, Stack's such a professional, though he's not gonna he's not gonna beef it on anything that you write for him. He's gonna get it in that first take. Yeah. It just really felt like uh, he uh, was trying really hard not to laugh this entire time. That's yeah. kind of the sense that I got because this whole thing is so inane and ridiculous you know it's probably probably what even even at the previous times i watched it i always felt it was one of the more ridiculous ghost segments um yeah uh i think what more can we say about it right poo poo the idea well the next one's the lost love episode and since i'm tasked with talking us through it i can guarantee you i'll blow through it as quickly as possible <laughs> Our next uh, segment starts with some good old-fashioned World War II footage. Uh, talking about the treacherous North Atlantic waters during World War II. German U-boats on the mm -hmm. prow. Unfor yeah. Unfortunately, um, Mr. William Murphy was killed in the line of duty. Uh, leaving behind a wife and three children. And I was... Maybe it's just how quickly they get to depicting it in the reenactment. They they pretty much immediately cut to showing a woman playing his wife, dumping, getting rid of the kids, like you know, because she yep. she can't. I mean, obviously, she she there's financial difficulties, and <clears throat> she she's just like nah, uh, she dumps 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 the kids off, and Idine. I, who I believe was the oldest ends up at this uh, Catholic orphanage. Mm, sure. Yeah. They there were nuns. There were nuns. So there were nuns. But I really have no idea how the Church of England works either. There could be nuns in the Church of. I don't. Oh know. yeah, I mean you know. The, I don't know anything. Cause yeah, cause um, 
I mean, because it's basically like it's. I mean, it's basically the Catholic Church, except they don't follow the Pope, and their priests can marry. Right. Because yeah. Because in Signs, um, Mel Gibson, I think, played an Episcopalian priest. Uh, mm-hmm. And and anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so we get some some reenactments of like eating gruel at the orphanage and. Yeah. Lane and Cots, uh, you know, the kids are really crammed in there. I mean, I, it is wartime and whatnot. So, and uh, this poor girl, you know, mom just just left her here. Think about think about all the other lost love segments we've had, where where the parents like the kids are just like stripped out of from from their from their grasp. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and so. We get this this charming little reenactment of Idine meeting uh what was her name? Eva? Eve Metzel? Uh, uh Eve Maisel. Maisel. Okay. E- yeah, Eve like slightly different spelling than the Amazon show, Marvelous Miss Maisel. Maisel, I believe is I one. see. Um <clears throat> Eve um has her own tragic background involving the Holocaust. <clears throat> and uh her and Idine uh, end up becoming uh, friends, you know, uh, orphanage friends, which I assume is one of the closest forms of orf- uh, friendship yeah. that one can have. <clears throat> yeah, this is, um, you know, they did, they did, they mentioned the Blitz, uh, and we get a little reenactment of them cowering down in the the shelter along with all the other children, uh, the nun uh, praying. Uh, during the the bombing, and you know they, I guess they as girls they talked about wanting to to go to America, um, which I mean I guess uh, I guess if you don't really any have any family you, you you're maybe not tied down to your home country as much and yeah 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 the uh, but yeah we get a reenactment of them later on as. You know, uh, older, and Idine uh, told her, "Hey, I get to go to America, like tomorrow." And he was like, "Oh." And they kept up a correspondence for like a year, I think, solidly writing each other letters. But as we always say on this podcast in this pre-Facebook era, it's easier to lose track of people and uh they eventually time and circumstances led to them losing track and so i is on the program like hey i want to be reunited with eve <clears throat> and we do get an update where that did happen uh yep now it's an all text update mm-hmm. and it makes like I don't know. Uh, to any of our UK listeners, did they ever show this program on your <laughs> in your country? Because uh, one thing that occurred to me was if Eve never made it to America, um, mm-hmm. how would she have known? <laughs> or anyone? Uh, I mean, I guess unless you were a, a a Brit who was you know in the states at the time this episode aired it was like oh, yeah that's that's just 
that I know who that is. Uh, and, uh, but so yeah, we get a well. Yeah, we get, get the thing is we get the white text when unsolved mysteries has nothing to do with the case being solved. Exactly, it's an all text thing, and it just reads like during a visit to England. Ideen searched public records and was able to locate Eve. They were reunited. And what... Yeah, so basically she flew to England and opened the phone book and <laughs> case closed, I guess. Yeah, I just like it. It's like, it's like Unsolved Mysteries has to sort of shamefully acknowledge that they had nothing to do with this and Ideen had to fly yeah. over to England <laughs> and solve the case herself. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I'll expound upon that a little bit since I have the wiki open. Okay. In the late 1990s, so after several years after this would have aired, uh, Aideen mm-hmm. uh, asked a PI in England oh. to help her find Eve. So it was actually a private investigator. So in, ni- in, in the year 2000, Eve and Aideen were uh, reunited, and they remain in contact to this day. Oh, neat, neat. A uh, little PI yeah. action. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's okay. What happened? That's well, what happened there. Well, if we want to go from the heights of a reunion of friends to the lows of a uh, wanted segment, take us to the town of Agawam. Agawam, Agawam, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Now, Stack really talks up the small town nature of this thing which is that you know Agawam had voted in 1989 to be like no no we're not a city we're a town thank you that's the way we like uh, it that's the way we like it um and uh you know pardon my modern cynicism but we all know that bad things happen in small towns too <laughs> so if true crime podcasting has taught us anything yeah yeah, yeah. Um. So Lisa Zeigert, uh, she was a te- she was a special ed teacher at the um, I think it was at the middle school. I feel like, mm-hmm. and um, she, uh, you know, was really beloved by all of her students. And probably the most heartbreaking thing about this is they interview some of her former students. Yeah. For the segment and talking about just she was just a cool lady. And they do a reenactment of Lisa, like, teaching, you know, uh, students how to use a microscope and, you know, just really taking the time to, help, you know, help them come to their own conclusions and just generally being a good teacher. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, but because she's a teacher uh, and she doesn't get paid anything, <laughs> she has to go to her second job after school. Yeah. And um, it's a it's a gift and card shop. I guess it's not a Hallmark but whatever. Um, and this is on the evening of April 15th, 1992 at 5:30 PM. Her sister Lynn comes by and we hear from Lynn as well. Just saying, you know, when I stopped by and saw Lisa at work and, um, just had a quick chat with her. Wasn't, you know, she was drawing, she was working on the sketch of a mutual friend of theirs. Um, you know, unremarkable visit. Uh, and it wasn't until the next morning where uh, so this other woman named Sophia, another uh, co-worker of Lisa's, pulls up and sees that, you know, Lisa's car is still parked in front of the store when she should be at school. Mm-hmm. And um, she goes in to the store. The, you know, the open flag is still outside and 
the store was clearly never closed for the evening. Yeah. And so at this point, um, you know, Sophia starts to fear the worst. She sees Lisa's sketchbook is still on the counter. She sees Lisa's purse and keys are still where she would have left them. Um, you know, she goes in the back room and sees that there's been a bunch of stuff has been knocked over. Um, so, you know, she called, she goes and calls the police. Um, you know, clearly something really terrible has happened. I, I, I mean, it's, it is what you think it is. I mean, there's really no point in beating around it is, you know, a couple of weeks later, I think, um, they find Lisa's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it was on the afternoon of Eastern Easter Sunday. So it was only four days after Lisa disappeared. She was found yeah. in a wooded area, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I don't need to get into the gory details of that, but you know, she, she w- had been killed mm-hmm. and, um, you know, the town is devastated and they are looking for any information that they can find um they found uh you know there was one person who had come into the store to find it unattended at about 8 20 p.m and said they'd stuck around for a minute called see if anyone was working there and didn't hear anything except some banging around in the back uh stock area um you know the person who called the police said that they hadn't actually seen anything um so yeah, so they have a couple of clues about the car that the suspect might have been driving. Um, and that's it, basically. It's it's a very, and, very uh, compact segment. Um, yeah. What what I, you know? I was sort of what stuck out to me was you know when they had the little reenactments of you know uh, the first set of customers uh, who who were witnesses were um, you know like you know they. They they went in and had like your your standard transaction with uh you know mm-hmm. some like oh yeah she rang us up you know she she helped us like oh yes here's this thing and you know uh, she didn't seem to be trying to you know make any sort of sign she didn't seem to be in distress she wasn't trying to like pass us a note or signal us that something was amiss. Uh, but then there was another customer who recounts like going in like, yeah, the store, you know, the door was unlocked. It was said open. The lights were on. I went around and was saying hello. Hello. And no one was around. And then they, they said they heard some noise in the back room. Uh, so like a banging. Um, but no one came out and then they they left <laughs> and they were able to, um, I guess there were some scuff marks that would may have been made by shoes uh, mm-hmm. shoes uh so uh, uh she she lisa may have been there and then they there was a, another person who gave an account of what a car you know seeing a, a car pass by them with two people in it and like a woman sort of straining or or you know, rising up uh, from from the back because it, it was like a Bronco type vehicle or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty creepy. Yeah, and um, I was I was as I was watching this with David, I was like, "Do you think there's going to be an update?" Because the clues they had were so vague, right? And I was like, "There's no way there's going to be an update on this," but there was. Yes, was an update. 
And the the update, the white text update basically says, you know, due to uh, DNA evidence, they were able to convict uh, a guy named, he was a, he was um, at the time a 48-year-old Agawam resident, Gary Edward Shara. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were, uh, yeah, they were able to convict him on that. So, son of a it, bitch. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more information in the wiki than Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah, could, gave about not only solving the case, but but the events leading up to Lisa's murder, which is that she had been feeling like she was being watched. Oh, and that she was being stalked by this man. Oh wow. Okay. Um, yeah. The segment. So segment didn't show any of as, that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. And, and who who's to say like they had that information when they aired it? You know what I mean? Right. So uh, so I think the wiki is probably pulling from, it was also documented on Dateline and forensic files and et cetera. So I think probably more details came out. Um, yeah. But, you know, Unsolved Mysteries saw fit to um, spend time on the manhouse haunting <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> more information that would have lead, led to God. possibly convicting this guy a lot sooner because he didn't go to get get this shit he didn't he wasn't charged until like 2015 or something jesus all right yeah and on september 25th 2019 he unexpectedly pled guilty to first degree murder in the case so they they dropped the rape and kidnapping charges as a result Uh. and he he pled guilty and admitted to killing her and all this stuff and he um is gonna spend the rest of his life in prison may he rot um, As of 2019, that was 26 years. No, 27 years after Lisa was murdered. 27 years. Kind of feels like uh, maybe Unsolved Mysteries dropped the ball on this one, huh? I just think maybe there was more that they could that would have been helpful. Yeah, because that I'm reading now in the wiki that that obviously the police knew at the time. Well, yeah, you know, somebody had details and, and it's possible the police gave all this information to the people filming the segment. They just cut it as because we had to we had to hear all about the weird smells and the Ouija board in the man house. <laughs> we got to hear about <laughs> carbon monoxide poisoning and uh yeah and the associated headaches and hallucinations <laughs> of that yeah yeah because and because <laughs> go ahead no i was just gonna say because yeah because this was like i like I, I already said it felt like a really compacted segment like it was just yeah on, yeah only a few well, minutes the segment long. after the, after this one is, is ends so abruptly <laughs> So the last two minutes of this episode of Unsolved Mysteries is the uh, it's a it's another wanted mm-hmm. segment. So we've just abandoned the Halloween premise <laughs> as after the first segment completely. Right. Um. It, and so it features a young man named Rory Wichel Wichel Wichel. Anyway, he lives in Orange, California. That part I can pronounce. Okay. And um, he uh just he's a young man. He had everything going for him. And um, he uh, went home to pick something up one night, and he left his uh, he left his car running in the in the driveway as he very often did. 
that's a move that I would well, never do in Dayton, Nevada. Uh, I, now, you know, we're not like you folk there in your big cities that all trust each uh-huh. other and, you know. Yeah, leave our, <laughs> leave our doors unlocked. Locked and, you know, yeah. you, you, you know, you know everyone's name. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I never, like, the idea of leaving my car running with the keys in it, even the just go yeah. inside for a second, I would be like, yeah. I can't do that. Can't do that. You know, I did. Th- Listen, you want to hear the wildest shit ever? I was uh, I had to run and drop something off uh, for my boss at an event mm-hmm. here in L.A. And so I was <laughs> I was in Westwood Village, which is a there's a lot of pedestrian traffic it's a densely pop but i couldn't park anywhere i basically had to double park and run and hand something to him yeah and um uh i left (laughs) i left my door open of my car my my car is kind of a piece of shit though (laughs) (laughs) you know it runs i love it but it's like seven you know 17 years old you're not scoring a big prize if you steal my car basically yeah but uh i left it running with the keys and the ignition the door open the passenger door open which my boss shut for me because he's like what are you doing idiot um yeah just left the whole situation running in the in the middle of a densely uh populated part of los angeles you might as well put a sign on free car (laughs) yeah well no one took it no one took it well well, no one even looked looked at it funny that's all i'm saying like anyone could have jumped in there and just out of car at that point, but you're you're making a really uh, a really good point about how trusting big city folk are compared to right, right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you, obviously, you would never have done that in Dayton. So I no, I would never. No. No. <laughs> I would. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't feel safe walking around unarmed in Dayton. <laughs> <laughs> nor should you gotta have have a knife in my boot or something because you're gonna run into trouble yeah out there absolutely so 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 uh anyway rory yeah <laughs> he, uh, he while he's in his garage looking for something he hears his car rubbing he's like you know what the, what's going on and there's a dude in his car yeah and an identified man is trying to steal his car it's like well okay genius if you're trying to steal it i, I think the issue is and it's mentioned here in the wiki. It's a 1984 Saab Turbo, which most likely means it's stick shift. Oh. And, um, and so that's why I think we hear the revving instead of the car just peeling out and being stolen. The, this is why Rory gets the heads up. Cause I don't think this dude knew he had a drive stick. Okay. That explains. I was confused. Cause like he, co- right? he comes out, this guy's just sort of like struggling around in the path, in the driver's seat of his car. I'm right? like, if you're trying to steal the car's it, already running the, the it's cars running it's on if the keys are in like just drive away oh yeah wow that's shocking that i would not i i didn't think of that at all but that makes perfect all the sense in the world that he, this this dude that's the only thing i can think of yeah is that it was a stick shift i mean i'm watching the uh, i'm watching the reenactment right now and it does kind of look uh-huh. like Maybe that's what the reenactor was going for. Like, how, how do you, why is the car not, what, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to solve this right now. I'm searching 1984 Saab turbo transmission. 
and we're going to get to the bottom of this and see if my theory could possibly pre- this is the one one mystery we are going to solve on this podcast okay um let's see shows a lot of a lot of the uh, youtube videos on how to remove the transmission um <laughs> okay hold on here we go sob 900 uh-huh well, this is thank you, Wikipedia. This is not very uh, not very helpful. Anyway, well, let's just assume it was a manual transmission. Okay. As I, I and I, that's only uh, you know I'm just guessing here because why wouldn't you just steal the car? Do you think maybe this car thief just didn't know how to drive a car? Yeah, because like I was I was trying to figure out I when the when the segment was unrolling I assumed. You know, because it was very strange where he, like, you know, Rory comes out. He's like, you! You know, just like, and the guy gets out of the car. And I'm like, why is the guy getting out of his car? There must be something else going on here. If, like, I mean, you're not just going to, st- it's more, it has to be more than just stealing the car. Because if it was just stealing the car, he wouldn't get out. He would just drive away. But, like, he gets out and then he pulls out his gun and, you know, shoots Rory and and runs off mm-hmm. and I, I mean i don't know what i was thinking that like maybe he uh he had some uh associate that he was waiting for to show up or what but yeah it was just like he they play it i mean they they play it like the guy's just when he's in the car trying to operate it and rory comes out the guy seems panicked uh, and like mm-hmm. the kind of panic that you would have if you like, you 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 do not this vehicle is not operating. Um, so yeah, I think that's what I very good. I I agree. This this had to have been the not being able to drive a stick shift situation. Uh, would um, so so the guy gets out of the car though when Rory goes back out there and he's like, what are you doing? Like get out of my car, and um, the the suspect panics and shoots Rory. Yeah. Uh, Rory survives though. Obviously, he's the one telling the story. Um, he he remembers saying he couldn't. He just he didn't feel any pain. He just fell to the ground, mm-hmm. and he was very aware that suddenly he couldn't move off the ground. So um, he's he's now uh quadriplegic he mm. can't use his hands but he can use his arms and he uses a wheelchair to get around mm. um and uh that's basically it like then the segment like gives us a sketch really quick of what they think the suspect might look like yeah and what the car the getaway car was because they didn't they did not were not successful in stealing rory's car after all that nonsense um uh yeah and then like very quickly it cuts away to stacks next week on on like that's it no update <laughs> hard cut away from this segment um and there's there is no update i'm on the wiki right now however there is an interesting extra note if you would like me to let's hear the extra note people in here okay so this did air dur- during the quote-unquote halloween episode on october 27th 1993 that's the first time this uh, segment aired However, due to the Laguna firestorm, the episode was preempted in several cities in Southern California. And where is Orange, California, where Rory was 
shot, it is in Southern California, oh. where the suspects very likely uh, reside. And then it was only re aired on December 29th, 1993. I just thought that was an interesting little extra note. Ah, interesting. So maybe the key witness didn't mm-hmm. didn't actually see the segment because they were glued to their television, worried about the progress of the fire. Yeah. Wow. Um. Also, in nineteen January nineteen ninety four, the statute of limitations expired in this case. This occurred in nineteen ninety one. So I guess there was only three years that you could catch and prosecute somebody for attempted murder. Mm. Oh, yeah. But then one source states that there may be no statute of limitations in it, depending on the char- charges filed against the suspect, which makes sense. Um, however, the suspect has never been identified or located. So that's the name of that tune. <sighs> Sucks. Yeah. Hey, Robbie, if someone would like to identify or locate us, how might they do that? Well, if you start out by sending an email, reenactedpod at gmail.com. Swing over by Twitter uh, at reenacted pod. Um, you could also send us a uh, say, drop by and say hello on Facebook, reenacted fans podcast fans something. I, I never really get the order yeah, right. You know, um, it's whatever. And if you go to Patreon. If you want to just like uh, express how much you enjoy the the program, um, you can give us one dollar uh, mm-hmm. at that one dollar tier. Or if um, you know you want to give us five dollars a month, um, you get some access to some content, and uh, you might on occasion. Getting something in the mail, perhaps I see. Yeah, and thank you to uh, we got a couple of new patrons, so thank you. It, a couple, a couple of new ones at the one dollar tier. What? A couple of, couple of this, that, and the other thing. I mean, uh, thank. I mean, we were already a wildly successful and rich podcast, but thank you also to those couple of people. Yes, in fact, I'm kidding. We're not. And we have done 107 of these episodes. So just if you have been with us and you were thinking about, God, yeah, I know times are tough right now. Hey, if you want to jump on and do like two months at five bucks, anything helps. Because we, we got to keep the lights on. We got to pay the hosting fees. We got to pay our producer, Connor. You know, this is uh, this is getting to be an expensive hobby for old Robbie and Crystal over here. <laughs> so... Yes. You know, anything anything you want to chip in, even if it's just for two months or something like that, is just really, really appreciated. And we and we thank you to everyone who is who's stuck with us and all the new people and Yes. It's just, it's, uh, Th- it's it's gaining some steam and I I, I like that. Th- th- thank you, Chen and Purple Worm and Yeah. And Bill. Bill Card Daddy uh-huh. out there. Still doing it. Uh, Nicole look. always. Oh, Nicole's doing a lot for us with word of mouth too. I just want to put that out. Oh, there. she's out okay. there. Uh, Bless her. The love. Um, yeah. yeah. Kyle, uh, th- thank you. Uh, thank you for finally uh, sending us that uh, that information on your on your address. Um, yeah. Catherine, uh, I, I noticed you. Uh, you can't. You, you. You. You recently started. Uh, 
doing the the Patreon yeah. thing. Thank you. Did we say hi? Did we say thank you to Helen? To to who? Helen. Oh, uh, well, our friend Helen. Yeah, even uh, she 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 said, How "Dare you, <laughs> Helen, our most loyal fan." I did. I didn't. I didn't think you said Helen. I thought you said something like a total. You thought I said film? No foam. <laughs> foam. Yeah, I was like, why are we thinking thanking the foam again? Uh, oh my god. Yeah, Helen made the Robbie. We gotta wrap this up. Yeah, he- Helen. <laughs> gotta get out of here. Yeah, Helen made these delightful. Delightful images of people's, uh, like like little podcast, you know, podcast uh, avatar image for the pod, featuring, uh, as per my suggestion, people's butts, <laughs> and it yeah. just delights me to no end. Uh, Helen, I asked if we could use those images. You never got back to me. I can't use your images without you giving me written permission to do that. So if you want me to use them, you gotta you gotta say yes. I can use them because I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna, not gonna just use some shit like I did for the original yeah. cover of the podcast. Yeah. Oh, I'm logged into the Patreon now. There's a guy named Will. Will? Who's, 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 yeah. Who's, hey, Will. What's up? Oh, wow. Hey. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, See, we're we're famous and popular. <laughs> yeah, we better. Uh, I better start accumulating some stuff to. Yeah. uh, Anyway, thank you all for listening. You're you're all awesome people. Um, you know you you ensure that we continue to to delve into these stories of the impossible or Mm -hmm. or the bizarre, and uh, I'm just really grateful. All right. Well, Robbie, do you want to do the thing for every mystery? out there for every for every mystery out out there there is someone somewhere who knows the truth perhaps that's someone who's watching perhaps it's you 